When it comes to engaging your audience, are you finding it a struggle? Want some great ideas and some real guidance? Well, stay tuned as our guest today has some really interesting tips, advice, and so much more. Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Phil Twyford, the curly marketer, social media strategist. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media, or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. And it's Friday, Emer. Where is the time going? Spring is in the air. I know. I can't believe, actually, um, that we are heading into February already and all that jazz. It just, it's, it's just worse time going. Like, you know, I bet there'd be lots of engagements, funny enough. You know, Valentine's Day is coming up and all that kind of jazz. Well, I suppose, you know, since we've sort of been kind of given that official out of lockdown, uh, I think, you know, people will be starting to maybe leave the hair down a bit, you know? Um <laughs> You're always on about your hair. Are you can let your hair down. <laughs> no, I just can't. Because I, I, there's so much product that won't go down. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's sitting there. <laughs> well, so, listen, so, you know, talking about types of uh, engagement, you know, uh, what do you have for us this week, Emer? Oh, yes. Let me engage you with Emer's experiences, the good, the bad and the ugly tips, updates and more. So as the saying goes, content is king, but engagement is queen. So here are some strategy tips that I came across when it comes to engagement for 2022, um, which I still can't believe we're in, um, which HubSpot, which is a great source of information. They always seem to be updating um, with the latest updates and even more. Yeah. 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 Um, So in this one, they were talking about A is for ask. So the best way to engage someone is to ask a question. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. I think it's a, a wonderful. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, ask your audience. I'm just checking you're listening. Yeah. Um, e is not just for emer. It's for expression. Mm-hmm. So encourage your audience to create some content featuring your brand. You know, so say you're out and you've got, say you're a coffee shop and you would, you know, um, maybe have a branded, I don't know. Uh, well, we're trying to be eco, eco-friendly, you know, those nice mugs yes. for us. Yeah. So anyway, that's something. But also contests may call for forms of self-expression as well. So like recipes, recordings, illustrations, poems, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I is for incentive. So think about interactive content, which our guest is super good at. Um, yeah. So people will bond with your brand like a photo caption is another one. Like that's mm-hmm. easy to do and that's free, yeah. you know? So anyway, Philip, let's get engaged. Woo. <laughs> oh, Emer, I should never ask. <laughs> oh, that's quite worrying. I, I hope our respective partners aren't listening to this show. <laughs> oh, shh, shh. They're well, not, they're not. Well, listen, Emer, you know, you know the way I like to keep you engaged. Yes. Uh, you, you've guessed it. Yeah. It's your yeah. favorite part of the show, isn't it? No, it's not. I keep telling you mine is. <laughs> That's Come on, it is. You know, you love the digital giggle. Red alert! Red alert! Oh, no, I don't. I know, I know. Well, anyway, anyway. I, I decided to go off and try and find something in relation to engagement. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was quite pertinent, you know, considering, you know, what we're talking about. Okay. So you've heard of the Muppets, I take it. Yeah. Oh, I love, I, I do. I'm a mean yeah. Miss well, Piggy. Yeah, we all love the Muppets. Well, why did Miss Piggy break off her engagement? Oh, I see. Now I thought Kermit and her were engaged forever. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, she broke it off. Do you know why? Why? <laughs> 
She was afraid of commitment. <laughs> commitment. Ah. Uh. I think you should just keep the day job. Go on, yeah. say it, say it, Emer. Hiya! And I just got to go. <laughs> there you go. That's my impression of her. Anyway, as ever, if you find today's joke anyway engaging and would love more of them, you are so in luck. You can catch Phyllis' previous jokes and indeed our other shows by hopping on to the Let's Get Social podcast on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify, and the Dublin South FM website. So do go check them out. But as I always say, speed through the first three minutes and you'll be grand. And as I always say, these are content gold. So don't speed through. But listen, we need to get the professional part of the show, Emer, don't we? Oh, yeah. Move it on. Uh, yeah, move it on before the guests leave. Um, we are today delighted to be joined by Drew Davis from Monumental Shift, inspiring audiences around the world to act. He's a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and one of the most influential marketers in the world. He's built and sold a digital marketing agency, produced for NBC, and would you believe it or not, he's worked for the Muppets. He's <gasps> appeared in the New York Times and on the Today Show. He's crafted documentary films and award-winning content for tiny startups and Fortune 500 brands. Today, Drew teaches business leaders how to grow their businesses, transform their cities and leave their legacy. So without further ado, welcome to the Let's Get Social show, Drew Davis. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> It's so good. I'm so love it. Love yeah, it. Yeah, I love the digital giggle today. That was awesome. I brought there my you. own digital giggle, Philip, just for you. Oh, fantastic. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You ready? Cool. Yeah, go. Yeah. What do you call someone who loves social media uh, but refuses to social distance when they're sick? I don't know. I don't know. A social media influencer. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's a good one, actually. Nice. I like it. He's gonna note, he's gonna note that down and use yeah. it for a little show. You know, that's you one go. for a later episode. Yeah, yeah. So, you can use that next time. Thank you so, so much. I, I was gonna say to you, Drew, it's great you're here. Um, and now that you do like the digital giggler here, um, but I was wondering, do you know if the Muppets are looking for a new edition? Yeah, uh, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> Philip's got a job ready. He can sit in the balcony with the, you know, with Statler and Walder. The, the two, oh, yeah. we fit in with the gray hair. Yeah. What do you think of this radio show? Oh, it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> yeah, right. I love I it. It's a, a bit of a double echo going on with you two. You know. Oh, so. yeah. We, we, we <laughs> could know? do a show. We could shoot a show, Drew. You know, and uh, yeah, we could. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, but, uh, we could listen to other podcasts and just make fun of. Them. Yeah, just try trash talk them. Like, yeah, like we're in the balcony podcast. with Statler and Walder. I think it, I think it's a great idea. Um, I'm, I'm in. Philip. We'll talk <laughs> later. <laughs> we have multiple enemies all around the social media world, huh? Oh, Can I we, know. Yes. We'll be in trouble. But hey, mm. anyway. But listen, Drew. Listen, um, we're honoured and honoured that you gave us your own digital giggle. So thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose for our audience here in Ireland, would you would you tell us how it all began for you? You, you know, kind of how you've got to where you've got to. Do Doing what you do. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I really, my career kind of fits into two big buckets. Like I started my career in television, um, you know, writing for television and writing segments for, you know, one of the most um, revered uh, morning programs in the United States. And I wrote for a really great storyteller, a guy named Charles Kuralt, um, who, who passed away a long time ago, but it was a really amazing storyteller. And then I did, yeah, I got my, my dream job was working at the Jim Henson company with oh, the Muppets. Wow. And that was, 
for me, it was a really formative experience. And I thought, you know, this is my dream job. I never have to go anywhere else. And my, mm-hmm. my, my role when I first started was to be in charge of, of the budget for making all the puppets. So, wow. you know, it was basically, wow. yeah, it was, it was not the most uh, glamorous role to be totally honest, no, no creativity involved, but every day I was working with about 45 of the most talented, you know, puppet builders in the world. Um, mm-hmm. and, and unfortunately I was the kind of you know, the person who was like, Hey, you know, that Miss Piggy head's taking a long time mm. and it's costing us a lot. Is there any way to reduce the cost? And we're going wow. over the budget. And right. I don't know. If, are you guys familiar with the show bear in the big blue house? <gasps> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So bear in the big blue house was actually the first show I was, I was working on. And when we first started the show, we, we hadn't even shot an episode yet. And the budget for the workshop where we made the puppets for bear in the big blue house was already over budget by $500,000 for the season. They're like, we were in big trouble, I thought. And my job was trying to fix this problem. And so, you know, I worked really hard to put a plan in place and try to reduce the budget. And I went to a big meeting, the first production meeting for the show. And they went around the table, you know, and there's Henson executives and Sony executives and Disney executives. And everybody's saying they're doing great. They're on budget. And I'm thinking, oh, no, when they get to me, I have to (laughs) deliver this bad news. So I deliver the bad news. And then I say, but don't worry, I have a solution. And I was ready to present the solution. And and at that moment, Brian Henson, who was running the company at the time, said, hey, don't worry about it. We were sure you have it under control. Thanks so much. And I thought, well, that's weird. They're not really that interested in Mm -hmm. how I'm going to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And it was about two weeks later where I went to a meeting with the licensing team these two women who ran licensing were genius. And, you know, they said, Hey, do you have any questions for us? And I said, well, look, you know, I'm really worried about bear in the big blue house and, you know, we're over budget and, you know, worried about how to get it back on budget. And they said, don't worry about it. Look, here's the deal. If you get in the way of creating great puppets that the audience falls in love with, we will have nothing to license. So we've got to create great content with 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 puppets and characters that the audience will feel like are real. Mm-hmm. And it's OK if you go over budget, because that at that point we have something we can license. And I thought, well, that, that sounds great. What what when should I let you know, though? There's got to be a point at which we're too far over budget. And they were like, oh, you know, when you get to two or three or four million dollars over budget, you should probably let us know. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And sure enough, Bear in the Big Blue House went on to be an unbelievably successful show yeah. mm-hmm. that sold millions and millions of dollars in in product. Right. And so it was that that moment that I realized, wow, if you create great content, you can sell the audience everything, anything, because they just, you know, they essentially there's no need for like a you know, a Grover plush doll, unless you fall in love with Grover. Yes. Um, and it was my first exposure to kind of how marketing works. And and so uh, the Jim Henson company ended up getting sold and I, I left and uh, started working in marketing because it, it paid better. Right. <laughs> to be totally <laughs> um, It paid about four times as much as I was making at the Jim Henson company. I didn't really know what I was doing, except I just knew if I told great stories, I could inspire people to buy something they didn't know they needed. And yeah. in 2001, I started a marketing agency with a journalist friend of mine. We knew nothing about marketing and we built that till 2012. <laughs> And we sold it. And uh, since then, I've just been writing books and speaking, speaking all over the world. So it's been a really fun ride. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was long. Sorry, Philip. But, no, you know, no, no, no. I think it's amazing because it's yeah. like, you know, if anybody was to look at your resume, they go, where is he going? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, you know, I think the one thing I learned was I thought there was going to be like a career path for me, you know, mm. like everybody, yeah. like, oh, there's a ladder and you just climb the rungs and eventually you get to where you want to no. go. And I've realized it's much more a quest, you know, like it's yeah. a, it's an arduous adventure with twists and turns and, you know, mm. new experiences and opportunities that might take me in a different direction that I never experienced. And I think the more we look at our careers as a quest instead of a path, the more satisfying and fulfilling we find it. But they say, isn't it? It's the journey, not the destination. That's right. Yeah, it absolutely 100%. is. Yeah. Like, I think what was interesting as well about your story, Drew, was, which I think gives hope, real hope to a lot of business, because we're going through, and I'm sure it's the same the States, Drew, in 2022, there's the big resignation. Mm-hmm. And what you said there, you kind of you left what everyone would think is like the dream job, you know, working with something like the Muppets or, you know, bearing the big blue house. Um to set up a marketing agency, didn't really know what you were doing, yet mm-hmm. managed to be a huge success and you sold it. And and I think, you know, once again, if people have maybe an idea or sometimes it's just about maybe giving it a shot, you know, maybe yeah. going for it, you know, and maybe learning on the job. Well, I, I mean, Philip, you're right. Like, I think actually one of the biggest assets we all have is, is the not knowing what we don't know. And mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons we were so successful is we had no idea how a marketing agency worked. In fact, the, the very first client we signed was a big financial services firm called Putnam Investments. And we had pitched them a number of times. And we mm-hmm. finally, uh, you know, we were sitting in a meeting, finished our pitch in about 15 minutes. And they said, that sounds great. Like, how do you guys work? Do you work on a retainer basis or is it project? by project. And this is how dumb we were. We had no idea what a retainer was. <laughs> no clue. My teeth so, are fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. And so Jim Costco, my business partner looked over and at me and, you know, he could tell I was clueless. So he was like, you know, Hey, we're going to send you some paperwork after this. Um, you know, and we'll sort all that stuff out. And yeah. we just kind of rushed out of the meeting. Cause we already got the yes. And we went to the car. This is how long ago it was, by the way. Uh, we went to the car and Jim, because he was a journalist, had a dictionary, like a, a physical dictionary in the back wow. of car. Oh, so we looked up retainer and we were like, yes, yes, retainer. That's what we want. We need a retainer. Uh, so we, we like called them back and said, yep, yeah, sorry. We forgot to mention we do like to work under a retainer. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think the, the fact that we had no clue what we were doing actually made us very unique and different. We didn't know how other people pitched. We didn't know how the business worked. You know, we just did what we knew would benefit the client most. And I think most of us out there can relate to that, but we think it's a shortcoming. You know, I just listened to Steph's episode about imposter syndrome. And I think if you start to look at your naivete as a as an asset, um, mm-hmm. because you'll question everything mm-hmm. instead of just doing things the way other people have done you're, things you're, for years. You're going to only the only good thing about making a mistake is you learn from it, you know, yeah, and, exactly. and, you know, nobody knows everything. And if anyone's out there, it says, oh, I know it all, even though they they don't. You're lying. Yeah, <laughs> we <exactly>. know you. <laughs> I, I was no, just definitely thinking- I was going to say, sorry to say. They're a real Muppet then, aren't they? That's <laughs> right. They really are. I just was listening to a workout. I mean, I was doing the workout and listening to it, just to be clear. Um, oh, okay. I wasn't just listening to the workout. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, 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 you know, the coach on my Peloton app said uh, that fail stands for first attempt in learning. And I think that's a great oh, way to look at one, it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is. yeah. Yeah. So listen, I have to touch again on the Muppets because I loved them. Like I loved Miss Piggy. And I loved um, I loved Elmo. And uh, mm. my daughter, when she was little, watched the bear in the big blue house. So I'm going to have to tell her about this. <laughs> you know, before we go on. And sometimes they say whatever Muppet you like the most, you resonate with it, which is yeah. quite worrying now if I'm saying Miss Piggy. But anyway, um, so 
Who's your favorite uh, Muppet? Um, oh, it's, it's definitely Grover. It's it, it, actually yeah. specifically a yeah. super Grover. Yeah, you want to hear my Grover imitation? Here yeah. we go. Ready? Near? <laughs> or? <laughs> Near? <laughs> or? That's it. That's the whole imitation. No, no, we'd never have Grover on Let's Get Social. <laughs> That's the one off the bucket list. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Grover. <laughs> I love it. Oh, very good. Sorry, Hada. Sorry, Philip. Well, you know. no, we, we actually... Um, he wasn't a Muppet. I think he was more because I, I I remember distinctly. I, I loved the Muppets, but I was also a big Sesame Street head. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And myself and um, Neil Schaffer have this in common. We both love Cookie Monster. <gasps> That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, cookie. I'm, I'm, That's I'm, really. We're going to tag him on this, good. actually. You know. Yeah, yeah we, Cookie yeah. Monster. Everybody's yeah. a big fan of Cookie Monster. Yeah. 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 And I do love cookies. So. <laughs> I, I, think, hungry. <laughs> I do think you're right. I think you'd learn a lot about the people you're talking to if they tell you who their favorite Muppet is. I think you, yeah. you kind of get a real insight into their psyche. Yeah. So well, we were, I, I'm just going to dip in here. Arts. One of the other favorite ones I liked was the chef, and I ended up marrying oh, the chef. So, what does that say? Oh, there you go. Swedish chef. It's him. There's no, no end to it. This, this show has been full of multiple guests. Listen, unfortunately, we do have to move on from the Muppets and uh, <laughs> reminiscing, uh, Drew. Um, now, you've written some incredible books. Um, you obviously have have one called Brandscaping, Unleashing the Power of Partnerships, um, which kind of hit the store shelves and it quickly cracked um, the, the top 100 marketing books on Amazon. Could you tell our listeners a bit about what that is about, what kind of maybe inspired you to write it? And, you know, now we're in 2022, the power of partnerships as far as you're concerned. Yeah, sure. It's actually the 10th anniversary of the release of that book, which is pretty oh, amazing to me. Wow, still, congratulations. So, so, hey, thanks. It still sells a lot of copies and I constantly get invitations to, you know, update it because some of the examples might feel old. You know, there's no Instagram. Yeah. There's like, mm. you know, lots of old stuff is missing. Uh, I, mean, I mean, new stuff is missing. Well, I mean, the concept of brandscaping is that you don't need to buy access to your audience anymore. All you have to do is partner with like-minded brands to reach their audience and you now have an opportunity to you know, build a relationship and then obviously sell mm-hmm. something to them. Mm-hmm. So the book is full of essentially all the insight and, and kind of wisdom that we gathered running uh, Tipping Point Labs, the agency that we started. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a collection of, of big ideas, uh, you know, things like truly understanding, uh, you know, how, how an audience develops and how an audience works, uh, mm-hmm. all the way to fractal marketing, this idea that you get, the more niche you get, the more uh, successful you can become and the more partnerships you can have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, it, the, the concept is, I think probably better branded today as kind of influencer marketing with a twist. And the biggest Mm -hmm. twist is that the book is really about long-term brand partnerships. Um, Mm -hmm. So finding a brand that, you know, is, is targeting the same or similar audience and building a long-term brand relationship where the content is the focus. Mm -hmm. Um, So like an easy example straight from the book was when Converse, partnered with Guitar Center, which is a a big, you know, music store. They don't seem to have a lot in common, but at the end of the day, they actually are targeting the exact same audience. Um, And so Converse built a, um, they first built one recording studio where musicians could record for free. 
And, and, and they just book a day and you can record with your band for free with an engineer and everything, a beautiful studio in Brooklyn, New York. And now today they have, I think, 14 studios around the world. Um, and together they create and share content between Guitar Center and Converse uh, and these bands. Um, and it's been wildly successful in, in helping endear the Converse brand to an audience of people that don't necessarily think of shoes. And here's the thing. It all came out of a very smart strategy by a guy named Jeff Cottrell, who realized that anytime like Justin Bieber wore a pair of Chuck Taylor's, you know, Converse shoes on a award show sales would spike, but they couldn't afford a brand partnership with Justin Bieber. So instead mm -hmm. they said, let's find the next Justin Bieber and get them um, endeared to our brand. And it, it's, it's really an amazing partnership. The, the studio, if you want to look it up, is called rubber tracks. Um, oh. and you can see the studios all over the country. Yeah. That's an Pretty interesting. Yeah, because like, as I say, you know, um, as you were saying, Philip, you know, people are reconfiguring where they are with business, you know, mm -hmm. how are they going to keep themselves going forward? And collaboration is, mm -hmm. you know, a very good strategy, you know, even for, you know, the, I don't know, um, the hairdresser on the barber, say, for example, like mm. there is a collaboration, um, yeah. you know, keeping it, you know, you probably think, oh, I couldn't be as big as the two brands you were talking about there, Drew, but, you know, if you were to look around you and see who you can um, build that um, partnership up with, mm -hmm. you're, you can only get go further and, and bigger and, and stronger together, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I it's, it's it, I was going to say, Philip, any, any thoughts yourself? Because you're you're a real strategist, you know, so. Yeah, well, certainly, I think. I think it's, I think the power of collaboration or partnership is brilliant. Like, even if you want to take it down to its minute sort of level, say where you're on your, your social channels mm. and you can tap into the power of your supporters, whether they be individuals or businesses who are sort of aligned and partnered with you, where even getting into the framework of simple tagging them on Twitter, you know, mm -hmm. to get them involved in a conversation. So then even that, that simple kind of, I suppose, very simple way of even starting that sort of that mindset yeah, that you can suddenly have your tweet then showed in front of their community mm -hmm. because there's a sort of an alignment. So I think I think it's definitely some business need to start to look at more. You know, I know, sort of I know. You don't have to go it alone. You know, no, and and you can start to see who's out there and then say, would they work 100%. with my business and that? Yeah. Um, talking of go businesses going forward, um, Drew, you were um, the top keynote speaker for Atomicon I met you at, which was great. Um, really, really amazing, you know, presentation. I don't know. Is it presentation you Thanks. say when you're on stage? Yeah, sure. yeah, oh, okay. definitely yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, so you're great with keeping people engaged. He had a Rubik's Cube. Do you remember the Rubik's Cube, Drew? And it was like so <laughs> yeah. interesting. Um, and I just sort of thought that is so different the way you were trying to. Where do you come up with your ideas to keep an audience engaged? Because sometimes people are a bit lost and go, hmm. oh, you know, I have my content calendar and I'm putting out the same <laughs> stuff. Where, where do you, do you just like sit down one day and just like brainstorm or what is it you do? 
Well, I, um, I mean, idea generation is for me is like a very, very creative endeavor. Um, and so it's like any muscle, you kind of have to, you know, work it out. You have Mm -hmm. to, you know, actually try to be creative more often, uh, Mm -hmm. so that you feel more creative when you're, when you need it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, but, you know, to be totally honest, I'm one of those people who really believes that no idea is a new idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. everything's, everything's just a version of another idea. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when it comes to like that speech, for example, um, I was looking for, a, the speech is all about embracing constraints and how constraints can help you be more creative and get more done and get, be more innovative yeah. faster. Um, and so when I was looking for a way to demonstrate it, I had come up with a concept called the cube of creativity. And this is where the kind of no idea is a new idea comes into play. I was like, oh, how can I demonstrate this? Oh, a Rubik's cube would be great. And then I looked up Rubik's cube, you know, magicians. And I all of a sudden was watching Rubik's cube magicians for an hour and thought, oh, what? maybe I can turn (laughs) this into, uh, you know, something that might help demonstrate the concept. And so for me, uh, like the easiest way to think of great creativity is a mashup. Like you may know your audience uh, really, really well. Well, that's great. You know, what kind of content are they already consuming? That might be mass media. What television show do they like? What Mm -hmm. magazine would they pick up and read? It doesn't have to have anything to do with with your business or their business, you know, if they're reading recipe magazines, that's great to start with that and then mm-hmm. mash it up with some of the content you might be creating or the questions or problems they have. And now you have a unique twist on the content they're creating. One of the things I wrote about actually in Brandscaping is that your content must have a hook and a hook mm-hmm. is just a simple twist on a familiar theme designed to ensnare or entrap your audience. And if you can do that on a regular basis, um, you can be really, really successful. And there's a bunch of different types of hooks. I think there's like gimmick hooks, you know, all the way up to big quest hooks that are more complicated and you're going on an adventure with someone. But uh, all of that kind of, you know, the, the more unique you make your content, uh, the more likely you are to build an audience of people who rely on your valuable content on a regular basis. And that's what's going to help build your business. A bit like Philip's jokes. Yes. You know what? To be totally honest, the digital giggle (laughs) is a perfect hook, right? It's a gimmick hook. It's very, there are people, I guarantee that just tune in just to hear the digital giggle. Uh, And then you hope they stick around, but it's, you know, (laughs) and Emer, you actually did say when, when you were like, Hey, do you want to be on the show? You were, you said to me, uh, you know, you got to be on Philip loves these uh, really terrible jokes um, (laughs) and you got to hear one of them. And again, that's the hook. That's the thing that people talk about that gets more people interested in being on or hearing the show than, than not. Uh, And content without a hook, I think is kind of a pointless piece of content. So it looks like we're renaming the show, the digital giggle, isn't it? You could always, you could always just add that as the, as the tag tagline, like with 25% more digital giggles. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> we have to do some work now, Philip. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. No <laughs> um, like, um, I think some that, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, uh, Drew, because I know myself and Emer, we've, we've had this both personally and obviously we've seen it with say clients or people we work with. Obviously we see it in our current roles, et cetera. You know, the world of digital, a very noisy place. Um, and we, we're always hearing, like we've heard from, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, he talks about attention and, you know, you know, you try and grab people's attention. You, you know, in your experience and what you see, how can businesses kind of look to stand out and gain the attention of their audiences and keep them curious? Yeah, 
Yeah. So uh, curiosity is the key. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing that. You know, I, I spent, uh, I spent about a year trying to answer that question, like trying to figure out what, you know, how do you earn someone's attention? Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you know, everybody says they don't have time for, to read your, you know, white paper or your ebook, or they don't have time to listen to our podcast or you know, they couldn't listen to the whole let's get social episode last week. They were too busy, but then, mm-hmm. you, you know, they sit down on a Saturday and they'll binge watch like a whole season of a show on Netflix. Mm. So the difference is that that content on Netflix or on Amazon or whatever you're watching on television is crafted in a way that's designed to keep your attention for a full 45 minutes or an hour and then get you into the next episode as fast as possible. Mm. And, And we as content creators, as marketers, as business people can learn a lot from understanding how that works. And the truth is it's a very simple formula. All you need to do is create a curiosity gap in the mind of your audience. And a curiosity gap is just a gap between what you know and what you want to know. Mm. So a curiosity gap is just a gap between what you know and what you want to know. And a digital giggle is actually a perfect example of this, a mini curiosity gap, right? Like every one of your jokes, Philip, is like a setup, right? With a, mm. And you got to know the answer. And then you I don't want to know the answer. Well, so, yeah. Okay. Some people don't want to know the answer, but deep down inside, they really they do. do. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh. So, so here's the thing, Philip, you could probably keep people's attention even a little bit longer if you wanted to, by like having a segment in between, like you could set up the joke, then Emer could do her exp- like experience segment, right? Mm. And then bring uh, it back in again and then bring back the joke. And mm. all of a sudden you've, you've elongated the curiosity gap. You've raised their tension a little bit higher. <gasps> and, as, and, and the key is that the payoff has to match the, the kind of tension you've built. Sure. But, but if you watch any, like think of any drama show or, or crime mm. drama, right? It yeah. always starts with the murder in the beginning, but you don't see anyone's face and you just see the hands or it's dark outside. You, you know, that's the setup. And now you, the one question you need answered over the next 45 minutes or hour is who did it? Mm. And all along the way, they're giving you little clues that make you think you might know the answer and they're increasing the tension. And I'm sure we've all watched an episode of some detective show where at the end you're like that was lame like what mm. a stupid no that's he's probably what, i don't need to do he what he'll do is he'll start the joke and go keep listening and you'll find out the answer that's later. exactly right that's exactly <laughs> right. is dying here now oh, she's yeah, ironically <laughs> it's funny but all of this stuff comes full circle you know i learned uh, this when i was writing in television like if you're ever watching mm. the morning program right you're watching uh you know good morning yeah and uh, they, all of a sudden they say, you know, hey, you've got to hear about the massive storm that's hitting our way right after these commercials or these ads. Yeah. That's a Never. curiosity gap. You're yeah. like, wait, what storm? Oh my gosh, I can't miss the segment. It's going to be a massive storm. I'm going to have to, you know, yeah. bundle up and what am I going to do with the kids? Uh, so yeah, so curiosity is the key to actually earning anyone's attention. And if you do it really well, you can own as much attention as you want. There you go, yeah, Philip. That's, that's, that's attention. It's, 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 <laughs> Was, it's actually very interesting because we, um, myself and my wife, we started watching, I, I think it was only released originally in the States. It's a detective show um, called Bosch, Harry Bosch. Oh, sure. Yeah, Bosch. Yeah. Um, and we, we're on season two now. It's really good. It's on Netflix. But they do exactly as you were saying, Drew. You always end on a cliffhanger, like Bosch has found a clue. <laughs> And then, but then immediately then, as it goes to credits, the little Netflix icon comes up next show starting in 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And I'll turn to Neve. 
will we watch? Okay, we'll just watch one more. Yes. And three hours later, you know, it's <laughs> one in the morning. <laughs> yes, that's exactly that's you know. the exact strategy, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. genius. Yeah. And if we can do the same thing with our marketing, if we can just think that way, we mm. can create a really great experience that has an emotional impact because yeah. tension is an emotion. Like we're all saying, how do we create engaging content? The yeah. truth is all you need to do is create some tension. Tension is an emotion. And if mm. you can create a little bit of tension and then a cathartic release, people yeah. will have an emotional experience with your brand. And it doesn't have to be funny and it doesn't have to be sad. It just mm. has to be smart. That's actually a really good tip now. So it's just like you can just kind of drip feed it through and then, then they kind of wait for the end. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, I, you I, have to, actually... yeah. I'll just, I'll just give you a quick word of uh, this is for the listeners. Just a, a quick okay. word of caution. Okay. <laughs> this is like a secret you can use for good or you can use it for evil. All right. You can do what you want with it. You're listening right now. I get it. You're, you, you can make up your own mind, mm -hmm. but we are imploring you to please use this gift of understanding the curiosity gap for good. Because yeah. if, if, you know, that's what clickbait is, you know, people yes. get aggravated yeah. when they're like, uh, yeah. Hey, mm -hmm. top 10 celebrities, you, you won't recognize, you know, uh, and then you click on it and you're like, I recognize all these people. That was lame. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's really bad curiosity gap creation because yeah. now you're angry you're creating the wrong mm -hmm. kind of emotion yeah. and if, if brands want to do it really well they have to understand that the payoff has to measure up to the tension you've built and yeah. you know you it's do it for the right reasons exactly yeah 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 um it's a bit like baking a cake as they say you want to make wait to see the results exactly exactly sorry philip to bring it back in um every I show by drew baking. The, every I know, show I, she I, brings I, in the i'm bacon. aware of the cake the cake jokes it's <laughs> another good oh, it's crumbs. another good hook right yeah, <laughs> yeah. um actually, i didn't want know, to bring it up first oh well there you go philip you see somebody does listen to me um yeah. i was going to say now because i mean as i say i I have to say the Atomicon presentation was fantastic. Um, but you had another uh, brilliant keynote uh, called The Loyalty Loop. Yeah. Can you uh, can you give us a little bit of an insight into that? You know, because the people out there are going, oh, how can I leverage, you know, my existing clients, you know, and get like, a, as you say, yes. what's a retainer, you know, and keep them with you uh, at the right value um, because you're giving them something so they value it and all that kind of and keep with you. Um, what would be a few pointers that you could maybe um, give people? Sure. Well, like the premise, the whole premise of the loyalty loop is that you, you actually sell an experience. I don't care what you sell. Like if you mm -hmm. sell a business service that obviously you sell an experience, but even if you sell a product, you, you, at the end of the day, you are not selling a product, you are selling the experience you deliver. Yeah. And so the loyalty loop is all about focusing on the clients and customers you've already got and creating such a great experience that you create a moment of inspiration in their mind to either buy or upsell or cross sell, or maybe even tell somebody else about your product or service mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that they go, the, the, the other people, your friends or family or, or contacts or, you know, professional uh, uh, audience goes right to a new moment of commitment and signs up for your new service. And the way to do that, th there's only six ways. Like I've, I've spent five years researching how the best brands in the world do this. And there's only five, six ways 
that you can actually do this. And I'll just run through them quickly and we could dive in okay. if we have time. But okay. basically, number one, you want to raise anticipation. We just talked about it with the, the curiosity mm. gap. You want to get people more excited about the next step in your journey together than mm. they are about the current step. So raise anticipation for the next step in the journey. The second one is maximize the honeymoon phase. And this is something too many brands get wrong, but the honeymoon phase is the, the moment that they're the most excited and enthusiastic about your product or your service. You know, if you're selling a professional service, you know, the moment they say, thank you for launching our new amazing website, and they just launched it, that might be the time that they're most excited, or maybe they're most excited when they win an industry award for their brand new website. Mm -hmm. That's the moment maybe that you need to maximize their honeymoon phase. But knowing when that is, is crucial to getting more referrals and building your business. The next one is re-inspiring your customers and clients. Too many of us take for granted that we think they're just going to tell other people, or they're going to think about us whenever they use us. No, we've got to be better at re-inspiring our current customers and clients so they understand how we can add value to their life, but adding value by adding value to their lives. Uh, the next one, you've got to answer their trigger questions. So the trigger questions, the first question that pops into their mind as they're kind of moving along their relationship with you. And most of us can predict those. If we've been in business for even months, you probably mm -hmm. know what your audience is thinking. Yeah. Answer those questions before they've even asked them and you build a really trusting relationship. There's only two more. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Removing friction. So just because, you know, uh, your competitors do it a certain way and they have one, two, three, four, five steps doesn't mean you need to. If you can make your experience feel easier or mm -hmm. more efficient than your competitions, you're going to create an experience that actually feels better and is more rewarding. And then the very last one is scaling camaraderie. And scaling camaraderie is all about building mutual trust and respect between you and your customers or your clients. And the best way to do this is to think of it as, as a rule of four, if you can build a relationship between your customer and client and, and as many as four people that you work with, mm -hmm. you will create a much more loyal relationship. And if, even if you run a business of only one person, but you use some freelancers to help out or yeah. you have some partners, if you can bring three other partners or, or, or employees into that relationship so that you're building a much deeper relationship with that client, you will keep the client a lot longer and they'll be much more satisfied. So that's the loyalty loop in a nutshell. I tell you, it, yeah. it is actually because, mm. you know, there's some people who actually go, oh, it's sell, sell, sell. But it's not. It's all about how you build up that those relationships mm. um, and and those key points will improve it even more. Oh, yeah. hands down. Yeah. If you can do that efficiently, you'll be really successful. Like, I suppose, like we all kind of learned in marketing in school and it's probably yeah. still very, very much true. You know, the whole 80, 20 percent principle you know that you know 80 percent of your business tends to come from the 20 percent of the customers and it's harder to get a new customer than to retain mm -hmm. existing mm -hmm. customers so and i think there is a bit of that mindset that you know so many businesses are constantly focusing on trying to get new 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 mm -hmm. like you see it all the time with the telcos or even you know mm -hmm. other types of customers where the new customer who's never gets loads of deals loads of offers you know, mm. but for me, who wants to maybe upgrade a utility or the the sky or the phone bill, et cetera, mm. um, I can't seem to avail of the offers that have been offered to the new customers, you know, and you're sort of yeah. dragging teeth. <laughs> to yeah. Like when you like so when you try to leave, I, I've left TV provider mm. and uh, they wanted to like, oh, we'll give you this and we'll give you this. And I go, I don't want this. <laughs> 
yeah. It was just too much, too salesy. And I yeah. kind of thinking they're desperate. And I, and I really, I don't want to feel like I'm in a desperate relationship, you know, that way. It's, yeah. it, it's very negative, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. if you have, as you say, Drew, if you have things that can build on that and just keep, you know, them uh, understand that you're really there for them and that you're not trying to be desperately keeping them, you know, um, they're yeah. going to feel more likely valued and and um want to stay with you you know yeah well like i mean just because you're talking about telcos in the united states t-mobile um who used to be like the number five carrier for you know in the marketplace is today number one and it's killing everybody else because they focus squarely on the customers they had first and they even created something called the team of experts, which is a perfect example of scaling camaraderie. They basically have regional call centers um, with uh, only 40 people in each call center. Mm-hmm. And every time I call T-Mobile, I get either my exact same representative or I yeah. get someone from that team who knows that person. So for example, you know, the person I get, I can't remember her name off the bat actually, but she usually works from 9am to 5pm. But if I call at 8am, they will answer. And the person will say like, Hey, it's Robert, you know, Tina, who you usually work with doesn't get in until 9am, but can I help you with anything? And all of a sudden I now have a relationship with two people on that team and they yeah. know that Tina is my person, you know? Yes, that's, that's great. A great experience. Um, mm-hmm. And T-Mobile has killed it. Uh, yeah. You know, really it, good it, idea. Yeah. it's really great. So it's a bit yeah. like when, you know, Philip, you know, we're always sending people behind the scenes. Who's the team? Show your team who they are. Yes. You know, yeah. so if they go and ring up, you know, T-Mobile or whatever, they know who that person is. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Humanize exactly. the business. You know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not, you know, that. I think the days of the faceless business are over. I think yeah. the people want to connect with people, you know? I call it reverse personalization, actually. It's like For we're so concerned with personalizing the experience using our customer or clients' data and information. Yeah. But I think we've overlooked the fact that if you really want to personalize the experience, what we need to do is introduce all the people behind the scenes that help make the experience great. And yeah. actually you know, Domino's pizza does a great job of that with their pizza tracker. You know, it says like Tiffany, just put your pizza in the oven. Like before cool, this, yeah. I never cared who made my pizza, but all of a sudden I feel like akin to this woman, Tiffany, who's now yeah. making my pizza. You know, it's like, <laughs> don't, don't get Tiffany. That pizza was terrible. <laughs> or it was really good. Or it was really good. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. A, it's pretty amazing. And then, you know, and then John, are you in, like here? You, I don't know if they can do that because I don't order Domino's, but, I'm, I was going to say, can you then request <laughs> someone no, like Tiffany? No, you can't request that Tiffany make your pizza. But oh. you, can't, you know, there, I've I've seen some amazingly hilarious tweets of people who use the Domino's order app. And in fact, there is, I have a, a great example of a guy who just orders Domino's because he likes to use the pizza tracker. That's like, <laughs> that's how powerful this relationship and this raising wow. anticipation is. You know, it gets people, it turns what used to be a task, which, you know, in the yeah. old days, I'm sure you both remember, you remember the, the times where you had to call and order oh, yeah. a pizza, you know? Yeah, and yeah. now it's take, that was a task. Now they've taken it and turned it into an experience. And that's why, you know, they yeah. sold a billion dollars worth of pizzas in, in just a few years. It's incredible. Um, Drew, you have a number of amazing kind of keynotes that you offer to business on your website. Another one that we were interested just to get your, I suppose, the lowdown on was um, you talk about how brilliant brands can create that sudden urge to act. And you talk about five secrets to telling stories that inspire demand. 
Um, could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, the key to that is just creating a moment of inspiration. So a moment of inspiration is an instant in time that sends your audience on a, on an adventure, a journey they never expected. Mm. Uh, and the, you know, if, if you can create content that's designed to do that, you mm-hmm. can really increase demand for the product or service you sell. And a lot of times it comes down to just some but very simple ideas. And some of them, you know, I, I learned working in television or at the Jim Henson company. One of them we already talked about is that your content needs to have a hook. Like mm. we live in this world of commodity content where everybody's answered all the basic questions over and over again. And it's just a race to the bottom with this commodity stuff. Instead, mm. if you can add a hook, if you can give that simple twist where the content feels different and you can, you're focused on building a relationship that's designed to inspire them to take that next step on the journey, Mm -hmm. then you're going to be much more suited to create that moment of inspiration over time. The second thing is, is, is to really make sure that your content is people powered. Like a lot of brands uh, are focused on, you know, churning out that commodity content and not so focused on really understanding that we're trying to create a, a relationship and you cannot have a relationship with a brand or a logo. It just does not work. It's, it's not authentic. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to have people build the relationship and be behind the brand. And so if that's the case, you need talent to power your content and they need to be front and center. I know that might sound like a liability, but you've got to have people powering the content if you really want to build a real relationship. So you need to have a hook. You need to have a really great talent to help push that content forward and and build that relationship and give it some personality. And the third one is, and this is the easiest and most important one. You need to make an appointment with your audience. It's just, you you I like to sign to that. Like, does that mean like you say, Oh, hi guys, we're going to go live at five uh, on Thursday. Um, Hop in. Yes, exactly. Ah. Yes, yeah. you got to make an appointment with your audience. You need to define a time in their lives in which you can just own a few minutes of their time mm-hmm. because it's much more valuable to own a few minutes than it is to own, you know, a tweet here and there or yeah. just mm-hmm. an Instagram post every so often. And if you really want to build a business, it really comes down to people building, making that commitment to build a relationship with you over time. And the best way to create moments of inspiration is to focus not on views or impressions or engagement, quote unquote, but focus on subscribers, followers, mm. you know, people who are actually hitting that subscribe button and then really sticking with you because you're providing valuable insight on a regular basis. And if you can do that, focus on, on adding value to their lives, you will be able to create more moments of inspiration more often to the people who matter most. Uh, and, and the rest of it is just kind of noise. I think a lot of people are, you know, hawk on a social media trend because they hope you'll get more views, mm-hmm. but the, it just creates a spike. And one of the concepts that I talked about in brandscaping actually is that what we really want is Valley elevation. You're trying to make sure that the, that you're not just getting a spike because you hopped on a trend and then you're desperate to make, you know, you know, the next spike higher than that one. Mm-hmm. Instead, the, the most successful people are consistently focused on making sure that the Valley in between each spike is never as low as the, the, the valley before it. And if you're doing that, it means you're focused on actually driving followers and subscribers instead of just focused on the spike of engagement or views or likes or whatever. Uh, and I think if you can get yourself out of that trap, you'll be much more successful in creating more moments of inspiration, sending people on that journey they never expected that that ends with you. They'll end up spending more uh, and they'll, be, they'll end up happier with, with whatever product or service you provide. 
So in other words, you're giving them, you're keeping them on a journey, the pathway with you, um, a really good experience. Um, actually talking of experience then, like your customer, you know, has to have a good experience, whether it's on your website or, on, you know, engaging with you on your social channels. Um, it, it's, it, I think it's, you know, the way forward, um, you know, as you were saying, faceless logos and all just don't give you that kind of you know, um, connection. So again, uh, as they say, we're in 2022. How do you feel like, you know, whether whatever size brand or business you have, how can you get better customer experience? Is it like from the moment they hit your website then, or would it even be before that? Like, Yeah, it's, well, I like to think of it as it starts with a moment of commitment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think of the experience, like th there's a big difference between customer experience and customer service. All right. Yeah. So customer service is helping someone solve a problem or, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, fix something or, you know, yeah. just answer some questions. A customer experience starts with a moment of commitment that leads to a new moment of inspiration that mm -hmm. leads to another moment of commitment. Think of it like a slinky. So it's like a spiral of micro interactions that leave an impression. So now attach, attach like think of it like this. If somebody goes onto your website, Emer, and signs up for your 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 newsletter or signs yeah. up for an appointment with you, right? Mm -hmm. What do you usually do after they sign up for that email or that appointment? Do you, do you send an email confirmation? Oh yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Um, okay. and then it, it, they may have a query. So, um, sometimes I even would hop, give them a call, you know, and just check okay. out there, you know? Okay. That's good. Okay. Break those down into two different little interactions, right? That first email that you send, that's, that's right after the moment of commitment. And maybe it's yeah. automated like, Hey, thanks so much for submitting your information. I'll be getting back with you in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to attach an emoji to that email. Imagine what they feel. What emoji would they attach to that email when they get it? Is it a uh, I would send them a hug. <laughs> you would send them you would send them a hug, but how did with your current email, how do you think they actually would react if they're going to emoji back to you? Well, again, it's all down to your tone of voice, I think, you know, depending on the, the business um or the community that you have. So, mm -hmm. you know, um if it's, you know, uh, you're right, I don't know, uh Maybe you're a comedian, like Philip, say, for example. Probably <laughs> do the face, uh, face and the hand going, oh, gosh. Well, that's, that's good, though. Yeah, what you're trying to do is attach an emoji to every one of those interactions so that you really mm. understand how they're thinking. Because mm. the entire experience is the average of those emojis. So here, I'll give you an example. So, you know, if I fill out a form online, everybody mm. sends me the same kind of autoresponder, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, you know, we're reviewing your information right now. We'll get back to you within the next 24 hours. So yeah. for me, that's just a blah emoji. It's like not happy. It's not sad. I don't really care mm -hmm. if you can change that interaction so that it makes them happy. You've improved the customer experience. So what does that mean? How do you do that? That's the first thing you need to address. You need to go through every micro moment in your experience, starting with the very first one after the very first moment of commitment, and then try to determine how do you change the way people feel by using the content, the, the, the tone of voice, like you said, Emer, or the, mm. you know, the, the content or even the experience overall. So for example, one of the things we do is we do send an autoresponder with a little video and we think that's better. 
better. We, we get like, um, you know, maybe a half yeah. smiley face on that. But then on top of that, we call very, very quickly. So within hours and uh-huh. that we know that blows our prospects away. They're like, holy smokes. I feel they don't expect it. Forms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we can't believe how responsive you are. Or how about this? When, when, you know, instead of sending a quote, um, which every speaker like me does, um, we put together a custom web page for every single client and it blows them away. They're like, wow, because we know they want to share the information with other people on their team. And we know that that's a really great way to do it. So if you can make sure those emojis attached to every little experience, make people really excited or really happy or blow their mind emoji, that's when you're creating an overall experience that is fantastic. And that's, what's going to get you more referrals and allow you to increase your fees. I'm not, I could actually work for whether you're in, you know, in business or you're Mm. a charity, you know, um, it, people would kind of, that would really stand out, wouldn't it? Mm, 100%. For sure. Uh, Drew, this has been uh, such an enlightening interview. Uh, It's been great to to chat with you. Um, I suppose if people want to find out more about what you do, where can they go? And uh, have you anything exciting coming up? this year that you'd like to share with us quickly oh man that's so nice uh well you can find me on I, i'm on linkedin a lot so if you just search andrew davis and look for my bow tie, orange bow tie, orange glasses face you'll you'll be connect with me there that would be great um or you can find me my website's aka like also known as aka drewdavis.com you can find me there uh and then you know i'm on twitter and and uh instagram he's everywhere Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I'm at Drew Davis here on those. Uh, So that's where you can find me. And this year, I mean, this year, I'm really excited about my loyalty loop series, which is a a video I do every Thursday. Uh, See, I've made an appointment with my audience. Uh, And like, uh, (laughs) yeah, and so I'm exploring like uh, this week, we're actually exploring how to think like a scammer, where I'm breaking down how these unbelievable, you know, Nigerian print scams actually make money and what marketers can learn from the content they create. Mm. Yeah. I'd definitely be tuning into that. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were looking for that, that 200 mil. In yeah, the- that's, right. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. Didn't, Didn't happen. Didn't, Didn't happen. happen. Yeah. So, but listen, Groot, thank you so much. We are so like, my God, my head's buzzing now. You know, what about you, Philip? It's just like yeah. loads to think about. I need to lie down. <laughs> I need to lie <laughs> down. Too. This was great though. I really, really enjoyed it. No, so, it was great. Uh, it was great to have you on. Um, and no doubt... We we will have to get you back on again sometime in the future to pick your brain some more. Uh, well, I'd you two have it. You two have a double act anyway now, so you know. Well, we've got a show trashing other other shows. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. right. We've got <laughs> Sattler and Waldorf uh, like podcast edition. It was rubbish. What do you think? Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this is quite. Second. This is quite worrying. But anyway, yeah. you know. So well, Drew, I suppose. Thank you again for for joining us. Obviously, we wish you every continued success. And um, for our listeners, if you enjoyed today's show, you can, of course, catch it again and the other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast, which is on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, on the Dublin South FM website. So do please download and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And all that's left to say is, I've been Philip Twyford. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media. And we'll see you again soon for more Let's Get Social. See you then. Bye.